Welcome to the sermon podcast of South Hills Church in Costa Mesa. My name is Chris Kretzu, and I'm the campus pastor here. Thank you for carving out the time to listen to this today. I hope that you will be encouraged and challenged, and ultimately that you'll have a deeper sense of God's love for you. I'll be back after the message is over, but until then, I hope that you enjoy this episode. So good to be here with you all, and uh, and what a fun morning! Um, that video that we got to watch is such a special one. Um, not the Moses one, the other. <laughs> just kidding. Um, but uh, but yeah, it's such a it's such an interesting thing to go to church on Christmas Day. Uh, it happens once every seven years or so, and um, and I remember seven years ago uh, I. Uh, well, my family and I, we had a, a young baby, Arlo, and uh, it's kind of crazy to think of what's happened in those years since, and, and it's a crazy little thing to come together, and, uh, and I just want to talk briefly for a minute because um, I think it's important for us just to uh, focus in our hearts, and I want to say that I love that there's kids in the room. Danny, you're so kind. But I do need to say that Riley hates me. She's cried every time she's been in... I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, but I love that this room is full of adults and kids and everyone in between, and, uh, and we get to spend this time together. I think it's a really special thing, and, and there's probably no more perfect time than on Christmas morning to all be sitting together. So there's something different between knowing and experiencing. You can know about something, and you can have details and information, but there's a difference between having that and experiencing something. Um, I, uh, I, I knew kind of what it would be like to be a husband or to be a father. There were some things I could know about generally what that was like, but then actually experiencing it was very different. Uh, I grew up in the East Coast, kind of in the South, and um, I, uh, I grew up with lightning bugs, and I had always told my wife about them, but then the first time that she actually experienced them, it was like this magical thing of... Uh, of wonder and awe. There's all of these differences about knowing about something and experiencing it. And there's an example that I think may illustrate this in just a really profound way. Um, and because it's Christmas and because it's the holidays uh, and, and most of what we do in this time is, is watch movies together, uh, I want to show you a clip from what might be the least Christmassy movie ever. Okay, but bear with me because it's going to make a point. This is a clip from a movie called Goodwill Hunting, and I have edited out certain parts. Um, but uh, if you don't know about this movie, it's a great movie. It's a phenomenal movie. It's got uh, Matt Damon, uh, Robin Williams, and uh, Matt Damon plays uh, this guy named Will, who was kind of a, a, a troublemaker, outcast, uh, always getting into problems. Uh, but he was actually a genius. He was incredibly smart, uh, and he creates this relationship with this psychologist, his professor, Robin Williams' character. His name is Sean. And Sean is trying to help him understand how he can not only move forward in life, but also open up and begin to become whole and healed. And, and um, I'm going to show you a clip. And what happened the, the day before the scene we're going to watch is uh, Will, Matt Damon's character, started getting very uncomfortable about have, uh, about vulnerability uh, about opening up, about uh, allowing someone else to care for him and see the best in him. And so he blows up and he starts uh, ridiculing 
uh, Sean's character, he makes fun of this painting that he did, and then uh, the final blow is he insults him as a husband, uh, which is heartbreaking because the year before, uh, Sean's uh, wife had passed away from cancer, and so there's this, there's this pain, he's just kind of lashing out. And this scene we're going to watch is just a couple minutes, and you'll see uh, they're sitting in a park together. And, and so check out this scene. So what's this? The taste is choice moment between guys? This is really nice. You got a thing for swans? Is this like a fetish? It's something like maybe we need to devote some time to? I thought about what you said to me the other day about my painting. Huh. Stayed up half the night thinking about it. Something occurred to me. I fell into a deep, peaceful sleep and haven't thought about you since. You know what occurred to me? No. You're just a kid. You don't have the faintest idea what you're talking about. Why, thank you. It's all right. You've never been out of Boston. If I asked you about art, you'd probably give me the skinny on every art book ever written. Michelangelo. I know a lot about him. Life's work, political aspirations, him and the Pope, fishing the whole works, right? I bet you can't tell me what it smells like in the Sistine Chapel. You've never actually stood there and looked up at that beautiful ceiling. Seen that. If I ask you about women, you'd probably give me a syllabus of your personal favorites. But you can't tell me what it feels like to wake up next to a woman and feel truly happy. You're a tough kid. When I ask you about war, you'd probably uh, throw Shakespeare at me, right? Once more into the breach, dear friends. You've never been near one. You've never held your best friend's head in your lap and watch him gasp his last breath looking to you for help. When I ask you about love, probably quote me a sonnet. But you've never looked at a woman and been totally vulnerable. Known someone that could level you with her eyes. Feeling like God put an angel on earth just for you rescue you from the depths of hell and you wouldn't know what it's like to be her angel to have that love for her be there forever through anything through cancer and you would know about sleeping sitting up in a hospital room for two months holding her hand because the doctors could see in your eyes that the terms visiting hours don't apply to you you don't know about real loss because that only occurs when you love something more than you love yourself. I doubt you've ever dared to love anybody that much. I look at you, I don't see an intelligent, confident man. I see a cocky, scared kid. But you're a genius, Will. No one denies that. No one could possibly understand the depths of you. But you presume to know everything about me because you saw a painting of mine. You ripped my life apart. You're an orphan, right?
Is that it? <laughs> a little glitchy there. Uh, man, that's terrifying. I watched that so many times to make sure I edited everything out. And then sitting here in a room with kids, I'm like, oh my gosh, I hope I got everything out. Ugh, Merry Christmas. Uh, he goes on, he says, uh, you're an orphan, right? Uh, and Will says, yes. And he's like, I've read Oliver Twist, but I don't know anything about what it's actually like to be an orphan. There's this whole thread that keeps coming back, this difference between having knowledge about something and experiencing something. The, the idea of being aware of what something is or how something works and, and, and the difference between that and actually participating and, and acting into and, and being a part of this thing. And, and I think that there's this aspect of the Christmas story that really leans into this, this participation of what God is doing. We've been reading about the wise men over the last month, and uh, the very beginning of this story is Matthew chapter 2. It says, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem village, Judah territory, this was during Herod's kingship, a band of scholars arrived, talking about the wise men, they arrived in Jerusalem from the east, and they asked around, where can we find and pay homage to this newborn king of the Jews? We observed a star in the eastern sky that signaled his birth. When we are on a pilgrimage to worship him. There's this aspect of this story. These wise men, we've talked about it, whether they're astrologers or kings or uh, kind of wealthy aristocrats, whoever and whatever they may have been, they knew that this thing was happening. And not only did they know it, but people before them had known it for hundreds of years. And they had been looking for the signs. They believed that there would be this sign, that there would be this king that was going to be born. And it's fascinating to me because they had this knowledge of this thing that was going to happen, and it happened. And instead of just looking up at it, at the star and saying, huh, we were right, and then going back to their convenient lives, they stepped out of their lives. They, they made this journey, this pilgrimage, this trip, thousands of miles to go and see and experience and participate to, to be part of this actual experience. The, the knowledge of it wasn't enough. The wise men had a deep desire to connect with the creator of the world. They wanted to know God and they were willing to move from observation to participation in the pursuit of that knowing. They were willing to move out of their comfort zone. They were willing to move out of the, the palace or the luxury or whatever it might have been. And it doesn't even mean that we actually have to live in luxury to, to become kind of complacent. Many of us, it doesn't matter what our homes look like or our lives or our jobs or our bank accounts. We just, I'm going to have to what? I'm going to have to, I mean, not you guys. You guys left your homes on Christmas morning, okay? So you guys are automatic pass in for eternity. Just so, no, I was kidding. I can't promise those types of things, okay? But there's this, there's this piece uh, of this story where there's this, this wonder that moves from knowledge and information into I want to be there. I want to participate. I want to experience, even if it's going to cost me something. Transformation happens through active participation, not through passive observation. And there's a, a few examples of this throughout the scripture. There's a lot of examples of what God did in the scripture. It's full of stories of 
of miracles and amazing battles and, and things that should have never gone this way or never gone that way. But because of God's love, because of God's power, because of God's involvement, we see these incredible things. And, and there's a few examples of this. There's a story in 2 Kings about a man named Naaman. And he had uh, something that was called leprosy, and he wanted to be healed. And so he went to find this prophet. And the prophet told him that to be healed, he just needed to go uh, back and dip in this water back home. It was like this very kind of flippant, like, okay, go do this and you'll be healed. And the man didn't want to do it because he, he figured that there should be something harder that he had to do to experience this. And he says he, he turned around and he started just to go back home. And one of his servants said to him, essentially, they called him out and they said, hey, if he told you to do something crazy, you would have believed it. But this, this act of participation that he's asking you to do, it, it just seems like it's outside of what you could believe. There's an example, one of the many examples of Jesus doing a miracle and healing people. Uh, there's this one in John chapter 9 where... After Jesus spoke words and healed people, after Jesus uh, would touch someone and they would be healed, all, all, all of these different examples, there's this one person where <laughs> it's such a bizarre story, and, and I don't even know if I fully understand it, but there's a blind man who wants to be healed, and, and Jesus leans over and picks up some dirt and spits in the dirt and then puts it in his eyes. Spit mud. And then as if the guy needed to be told, Jesus said, go wash it off. <laughs> I was like, okay, this is pretty, you know. Uh, but there's this weird thing where Jesus a thousand times just said a word and someone would be healed. A thousand times he would just touch someone and they would be healed. But this time, and, and again, I don't understand it, but there was something about this time, this example where this man needed to actually participate in this healing process. He had to go to a specific pool and wash this out of his eyes. Uh, Matthew 14, the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000 is another one. Jesus didn't just snap his fingers and have thousands of loaves and fish show up. He said, take this basket and start passing out loaves and fish. And as they did, the baskets never ran out. They couldn't just see the thing happen. They had to participate in this experience and as they were participating in this process, they saw God do this incredible thing. There's all of these examples of how important it is for us to not just know or be informed, but to actually participate. There's a, another part of the Christmas story, Matthew chapter 1. Pastor Moses read a bit of this in his video, but... It's such a, a, an important piece, and I think just really reframes some things. In verse 18, it starts off, it says, This is how Jesus, the Messiah, was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man, and he didn't want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, 
A virgin will conceive a child, and she'll give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And when Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. Now, there's a lot that we could talk about in the Christmas story, and one thing I don't hear a lot of people talk about is the really kind of raw deal that Joseph got in this story from our human perspectives, right? There is this idea of a wedding, of a fiance, of what life is going to look like, and then all of a sudden it starts to unravel. (laughs) Every aspect of what you're excited about, this honor, shame, culture that existed, and what does it mean to have your fiance be with child at this point before we're actually married, all of the things, the components about what this meant in this culture. And then all of a sudden there's this angel, which is beautiful, right? That you get to hear from an angel in this dream and, and there is this information, this update of, hey, here's what's going on. And I want you to participate. I want you to, to still marry her. And we actually don't hear very much about Joseph throughout the rest of the Gospels. But, it, I mean, Joseph raised this child, Jesus, son of God. Joseph was faithful to Mary. Joseph, uh, shortly after Jesus was born, there, Herod was trying to kill Jesus. And it was killing all of the babies in this story to make sure he could somehow find the one that was supposed to be the king of the Jews. And, and so Joseph takes his family and they flee and they run uh, as, as far as they can. They go to Egypt as refugees. Joseph is participating in this incredible way in this Christmas story. I don't know that he actually was required to do any of these things. There was almost nothing that was solely his responsibility at this point. But Joseph chose to be a part, to lean in, to participate. God invites him to stay in what may have been the hardest and the most beautiful story ever. You can only imagine the the beauty and the challenge of participating in this Christmas story. And the reality is, is that everyone around us, everyone in the world, regardless of what faith you may be, everyone wants to observe Christmas, right? The the Christmas holiday, we're observing it. We're taking Monday off because we're observing Christmas or whatever the, you know, everybody, everyone wants to observe Christmas. and, And I get that. But as we kind of close out this Christmas season, as we maybe put a flag in the ground on Christmas morning of what is it that we're called to do, I wonder for us what it would look like for us to really participate in the Christmas story. How are you participating in this Christmas story? And it's an interesting question. It it might take a second, and I'm okay. We can take a second. We've only been in here for 39 minutes and 45 seconds. So we've got a couple minutes. It's a two and a half hour service. Just kidding. But what does it truly look like to participate in the Christmas story? Not in a play nativity type of scenario, but in your life to live out, to engage with, to not just believe that it happened like the Magi could have, but to actually show up and say, hey, I'm going to lean in, I'm going to sacrifice, I'm going to do something, I'm going to spend part of myself 
because of how important I believe this is, what would it look like to participate in the Christmas story? How are we showing up? How are we stepping in? How are we getting our feet wet, so to speak? We may believe that it's true, but are we participating in that truth? There's a difference between knowledge and experience. And Jesus invites us to experience the reality of Christmas because transformation happens through participation, not just observation. It's not just about having the right information or knowing the details of a story or even believing that all of it's true. It's about how do I actually lean in and participate? So I want us to take a minute. James chapter 1, uh, he writes a couple verses and he says, don't just hear the word. You have to do what the word says. And the, the word at this point, he's talking about scriptures, but the word is really Jesus, the savior of the universe. He's saying, don't just hear what Jesus has to say. You have to actually do those things. He goes on, he says, if you just listen, but don't do it, it's like looking at yourself in the mirror and then walking away and immediately forgetting what time it is. Just kidding. Have you guys ever done that before? <laughs> like, look at your watch and somebody's like, what time is it? It's like, I don't even know. I just, <laughs> so it's like looking in a mirror and seeing your face and forgetting what you look like. There's an importance in not just hearing and believing is all that we're called to do. And then there's this invitation for us to participate, to step in. And so I want us to think about, and we're going to take just a couple minutes, I want us to think about what would it look like to participate in the Christmas story, to participate in your faith. I want you to immerse yourself in the, in the story that we're so familiar with, the wise men, the shepherds, Joseph and Mary, the search, the inn, no room, the gifts that are given, this baby being born in a stable and in a manger. What does it look like for us to participate in the Christmas story? Maybe it's being intentional in the way that you live generously and sacrificially for others. Maybe for you right now it's holding on to a promise that God has made to you and it feels hard and unbelievable and difficult and there's a there's a part of the Christmas story that you get to participate in by believing that God will do what he said he'll do maybe it's about engaging with your faith and not just believing the right things but also living in a specific way maybe it's doing the hard work of healing a broken relationship I think that there's an invitation for us to not just observe Christmas, but to participate in the Christmas story. And that's the hope that I have for us. It's a story about joy, peace, love, and hope. The Advent is this word that has to do with waiting and tension and, and waiting for something to happen. There's a story about 
outsiders who are invited inside. There's a story about wise men and wealthy people who travel and sacrifice in order to worship and to honor. There's a story about a teenage girl who has her life flipped upside down and, and has everything go in a way that really could be terrible, but ultimately God chooses her to be the vessel with which the hope of the world comes in. There's a story about a man whose engagement feels like it should be falling apart, yet he still chooses to lean in and participate. I hope that we can find ourselves in the Christmas story. It's not just observing it or being aware of how it goes, but that we could become active in our faith, active in bringing hope and light and peace and joy into the people around us. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I ask that uh, this morning that each of us would be able to move beyond just an, beyond an awareness of Christmas and, and lean into participating in this story. Lean into the decision to bring hope to others. Lean into the invitation to spend ourselves or some of our resources on behalf of acknowledging who God is and, and generosity and, and caring for people around us. That we could participate in the Christmas story by even when everything feels like it's going wrong, we believe that you are still with us, that you're working in the darkness behind the scenes in a way that we can't even begin to imagine. I'm so grateful that we have an opportunity to participate in our faith. It's not just head knowledge. It's not just academics. Because if it were, there were some of us like me who may have limits of how far we could go in, but it's actually showing up, getting our hands dirty, being a part of this thing, working it out, not just hearing the word, but doing what it says. And God, I pray that this Christmas would be a time that we would be moved to action and to participation. We're so grateful for the gift of your son. We're so grateful for Christmas and all that it means for us. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, regardless of where you may be at in your faith journey, I believe that everyone has a next step that they can take. If you'd like more information about what it means to put your trust in Jesus, information about getting baptized, or maybe even attending a Discover class to grow more in your faith, you can visit us online at southhills.org forward slash Costa Mesa, and then scroll down to the next steps section. If you'd like more information about tithing or supporting South Hills financially, you can visit southhills.org forward slash giving. Thanks again for listening today, and I hope that I get to see you soon.